Hey, everyone. Welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is John White. Casey McDonald. And today we are joined by David Anguish. David is uh, an author and recently wrote uh, Getting Acquainted with the Bible. Casey's going to show us that there. Um, David has been a preacher for a very long time, taught school for 12 years, uh, preached in Memphis for 15 years for the Southwind Church, and uh, more recently uh, was a writer for uh, Truth For Today. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're super, super excited you accepted uh, coming on the show. Casey, uh, you had a, a couple of, of questions about getting acquainted with the Bible. Um, obviously, yeah. this book, you know, from the title, you can kind of tell what what the objective is there with that. But, uh, you know, walk us through it, Casey. So I was curious, is there any significance to the part of the Bible that it's open to on the cover? It's Psalm 143 there. Uh, so, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will tell you what happened there. Ken Mills actually did that yeah, for me. Okay. And Ken just, you know, he pulled a graphic and, okay. and that looked good on the okay. cover. In fact, to be honest, I never noticed what the passage was. Like, <laughs> 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 right, wait, there's a pa- well, I mean there's obviously a passage. Right. It's a- uh, of course one problem is I can't see it. So, you know, that's but no, I, I to mind I think probably it's because and again, I think he just pulled the graphic off a site okay. or something. And I think okay. probably what it is is it's just open kind of in the middle. Okay. I mean, gotcha. that, that probably has as much to do with it as anything. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Ken did all of that and just sent this and said, hey, what do you think? And I said, well, that looks good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice. Well, the title of the book, Getting Acquainted with the Bible. And so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to write this and uh, tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, well, uh, uh, the subtitle, I think, is maybe more telling in some ways. It's Makeup, Purpose, and Story. And that's uh, kind of the areas that it that it covers. Um, what happened, well, two or three things happened. Number one, and I go into this in the intro to the book, that uh, I was in the 1983, and I started teaching uh, school at Great Atlanta Christian in Atlanta, and the, one of the first classes they gave me was seventh graders, Old Testament survey. And those poor kids, I mean, it, it was like I had to adjust to the fact that, okay, these are junior high kids. You got to, you know, get this down to their level. But one of the things I was thinking about, even going in on that, was, okay, I need to be sure they know the basics because just a lot of, it, a lot, most of them had been in church from the time they were babies. Uh, some of them had been in school. They were seventh graders. They'd been in our school since they were in kindergarten. But that didn't necessarily mean that they knew, you know, kind of the basics. So I wanted to just be sure about that. There wasn't anything, any textbook. Uh, so what I did, I just sat down and wrote some manuscripts and handed, you know, handed those out and with questions. And we went over them in class, and I made sure they had all the right answers. So hopefully they could study those for the right. test. And uh, so that's kind of the, the core of the book. I mean, I dealt with, uh, you know, what is the Bible, why I study the Bible, uh, that's where I originally wrote what's chapter three in the book, um, you know, book chapter verse abbreviations, because it occurred to me we just, we just sort of absorb those and yeah. learn. Uh, people without a background in the Bible don't have a clue what in the world yeah. all that means, yeah. and especially when you start abbreviating the books. In fact, mm-hmm. if you notice in the book, one thing I did was uh, I go um, after I do the chapter on abbreviations before I start using abbreviations for book chapter verses. Before that, they are all written out. Yeah. And that's the reason I did that. So that was the, the heart of it. And then in about 2018, 
um, which I looked up and, and saw when I did this. I was invited over for the campus class at college to do a, a two-part uh, lesson, if you will, on the story of the Bible. And, and in preparation for that, I read uh, Christopher Wright's book. That's, I, I would say, the other Wright. Uh, you know, everybody knows N.T. Wright. Yeah. But Christopher Wright is an Old Testament scholar, very good scholar. He's written several books, and he's done several in this vein. But this is the title of this book was uh, um, Knowing, can't remember the title, Knowing Jesus Through the Old Testament. Okay. And, uh, of course, he, he, you know, if you know Jesus of the Old Testament, he lays that out for the whole story. It's an excellent book, and like I say, he's done several of good, good things that I've been aware of over the years. And so that really becomes kind of the basis for chapters four and following in this book. So okay. the first three chapters kind of came out of that initial thing. Another thing that happened was um, I was talking to a friend of mine, preacher friend of mine in Memphis, about the time, you know, 2018 or so, when all this is happening, and he's telling me about a student who had, well, he was at Harding, <laughs> I, I say at a Christian university in the book, but, you know, he was at Harding, and uh, he had grown up under this guy's tutelage, and he just, you know, he said, he comes home and he tells the guy, he said, man, he said, the other, other students in my class don't know the story. And, you know, they'd studied all these yeah. different passages all right. and all these different lessons, but he said they don't know the story. And then uh, there was another student in town uh, who was headed back. He lives in Ohio, and he was headed back at, for the summer. And, and he said, uh, you know, they're going to ask me to, to teach the teenage class. And he said, he said, man, that, you know, any good material? He said, they just don't know. The, and so I was telling him about this stuff I'd written, you know, way back, and then had revised it a few times along the way. And I started putting together copies for him, recommended some other things, but put together copies for him. And so I gave that to him, uh, and while I was doing that, I thought, you know, it's maybe about time to yeah. polish that material and rework it into something. I, I'd looked at it on the shelf for several years, but I was always busy with something yeah. else and thought, someday I need to need to develop that. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I was kind of in between projects at the time, and I just sat down then and started sort of putting it yeah. together. A lot of it was, well, it was together in one sense. I just had to shape it and form mm -hmm. it and so forth. Yeah. So that's that's how it developed. Yeah, I appreciate the practical aspect of it as well. You mentioned the abbreviation. I won't mention who, but uh, somebody was asking me recently, you know, is it all right to put a period instead of a semicolon in between chapter and verses? And uh, I was like, well, I mean, I can tell you what I learned in school, and we never use periods, <laughs> but you even address that uh, in, in that abbreviation section. And so I took a picture of it and said, look what I found. And uh, <laughs> so it's okay to put a period there. But yeah, yeah as, as practical as it gets, but it also you know covers the story of the Bible, which I think is... I think it's great as well. You mentioned your uh, background teaching uh, junior high kids uh, this material, and you you've put in some different activities to help them learn books of the Bible. I was wondering if uh, there's any funny stories that you've had in in putting those practice uh, games. Not uh, that I can remember really. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always stories that come out of the classroom setting, and mm -hmm. I will I will say this that I ended up teaching the high school courses. Okay. Uh, you know, after and but what I say was, you know, I spent six years in junior high, uh, but it was I, I had seventh graders. I really, when I was still in junior high, I preferred eighth graders, and they were beginning to start 
thinking a little more critically mm-hmm. and so forth. But then I really was happy that they finally moved me to high school. Yeah. But yeah, there's always funny stories and uh, not so much about that. But I mean, I you know, a kid was reading one time and uh, we were studying Acts and I would, you know, we'd read the text. Mm-hmm. And so we're reading along and it was Dorcas. And we're using the New American Standard at the time. That was kind of the, the text for the school. And this this poor person, I don't remember if it's a boy or a girl, but this this child is reading along and said, and the windows were weeping. Not widows, windows. <laughs> and I just, I just lost us. And, yeah, I must have been some condensation in that room or something. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. I mean, there's always something in a classroom, yeah. and that, that's that's part of the fun. No yeah. two days are the same. Yeah, one of the one of the games that you listed in there was uh, a sword drill, right. uh, and you know you you tell them the the Bible reference, and you know see whoever gets there first reads it. Uh, I was putting that game into into practice, and I, it was a middle school class. And uh, so they start shuffling through their Bibles. And before I know how to hear, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like that kid straight up tore a page out of the classroom. I was like, oh, it's okay. I'm sure we could get some yeah. tape. But yeah. Yeah, I just ripped it right out. Yeah, so I, used, I use that now. And I use that in the school classroom, the way I did that. And, and actually, I used that drill a few years later with a group of freshmen. Because I would, it was always funny because I'd, I'd always, for several years, especially when I was teaching like freshmen and sophomores, I would give them a books of the Bible test. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've known that since we were fine, then you'll do great on this test. Well, invariably, they'd bomb it. <laughs> you know, it would, it, some of them, some of them would. And I mean, it was, it was uh, well, like the, the test in the back of this is, is pretty well typical of what I did. I mean, I, I had the divisions of the Bible. I did matching on that. They thought they were just going to be listing the books of the Bible. Well, even they couldn't even, well, one reason I quit having them do that, that is impossible to grade. <laughs> because, because. There's it, no Scantron for that. Just well, pass through through that. <laughs> we didn't have Scantron until about a month before I quit teaching. But uh, no, the problem with that is they list them, but okay, how do you grade it if, okay, they, you know, they leave out Hosea. All right. Or put Hosea, you know, after a while, it's, okay, how do I, I mean, they got all the books there. That I mean, it, so, plus I had a teacher at Freed Hardeman that our memory verses were filling the blanks. So, you know, when right. I did memory verses, right. that's how I did them, yeah. and, and that helped. Uh, but uh, the way I did it was I had the, uh, you know, the divisions of the Bible. Well, then I had this list down the middle of the page mm-hmm. and on either side, okay, give me the book before and after. Okay. And I would tell them, look, you yeah. can, before you start this, you can sit down and write on your test paper, you can write the books in order. Yeah. But then that, that was easy to grade then. I could right. just, I mm-hmm. just you know, knock that out. But these, the ninth graders with the, the sword drill was just to get them acquainted with where the Bible was. Mm-hmm. And usually I would give them, you know, two or three shots of getting the test. Right. You know? But what I did on that was I'd divide them into teams. We're in a high, you know, a high school class. You got 20, 25 kids. Right. You could do this. I divide them into teams, and they kind of rotate. Well, then I keep score, and the winning team got the highest grade for the day. Of course, nobody got below. I, I did it like on a twenty-five point. Yeah. So you know, nobody's getting below eighty-eight percent. All right. And the next time they might be on the winning team. So yeah. I mean, that that helped their grade. Yeah. You know, you learn to to find all kinds of ways to help help the grade. Yeah, I'm sure. If you made them think it was bonus points, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, I've said for years, I had I had kids that would sell their mother for bonus points. I mean, it was <laughs> it was still a bonus. They wouldn't do any work all semester, but you give them bonus, and so it was it was. 
Yeah, that, that's unfortunately I was that kid in school. I was like, <laughs> I've got a D. I need a C. Yeah. I need some bonus points somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'd put bonus on tests, and then I had one girl one time that made a hundred on the final exam, and her average dropped because she had nailed all the bonus all the mm. way through. <laughs> and what I found out was typically it was the A and B students that would do the bonus on a test. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> the you ones know, that you, didn't need it anyway. Right. But you, <laughs> found way, you found ways to help. And so that, right. was, that was kind of what I did yeah. with that. Okay. But, yeah, the sword drill was a good thing because you're actually having them do what you want them to do for right. learning the books. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not just so you know where all the books are. It's so you can find them. Right. right. <laughs> uh, that Bible book uh, drill – that it, that was a good one too, where you you know you just take a foam ball and you pass it around and you know to get a get an idea of where the books are because even I remember as a college student as a freshman in college we had to list the books of the Bible mm-hmm. and I don't know how Dale Manor graded that but all I remember is as a Bible major I don't need to get any of these wrong yeah. <laughs> and he he made us spell them right too I mean if they were spelled incorrectly it was wrong it didn't matter if you got the right yeah, order I so that. I just remember uh, this is just going to be a matter of shame if right. I, you, know, you get it yeah. wrong. So, so you want to be a Bible major. I don't think it was ever a question of if these are out of order. It's like yeah. you're going to have them in order. It's, it's going to be he's doing, right. he's doing that with college students. Mm-hmm. Probably for the same reason. Oh, the same oh, yeah. exact. Even yeah. tell us as much. You that can't you, assume. You think you know them, right. but you probably you know, don't. Well, I, I will confess that it was when I started teaching, uh, you know, this, this material. And, of course, I did it, you know, I taught this particular unit of stuff probably two or three years. And so it was when I was doing that that I really got the Old Testament down. I mean, I knew them, but it's like, okay, what? But I I got them down. And, of course, part of my problem, I will tell you this, and I put this in the book. I've got a chart in here that gives you the Jewish breakdown and Mm -hmm. and all that. But part of the problem, once you learn, like, the Jewish breakdown or you learn in the New Testament the topical you know, Paul's epistles, then I had a harder time than remembering <laughs> right. where they were. So, yeah. so yeah. I, tablets and all have solved all that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, why do I have to Technology. search for it? It's yeah. in a list right there. Yeah, right. Just yeah. tap the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. 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 That's right. I, I'm curious about something, David. Um, so it, I, I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in this assumption, writing a book is, I mean, you're kind of putting yourself out there when you publish a book and say, hey, I, I'm providing something of value. And I'm sure as you're kind of promoting that and, and putting that out there, you're getting feedback from people. What is uh, one of the sections of the book that you've gotten the most feedback about in terms of, hey, this has benefited me the most? This is the thing that people keep saying, like, I love this part because I absolutely needed to know that or, or uh, I was really blessed by that. Well, right. um, the intertestamental chapter. Yeah. Which, you know, I, what I do, and, you know, I've got those uh, divisions of the Bible, which I stole from a mentor I had, that particular arrangement, and I adjusted a little bit. Uh, and then what I did, there's 14 of them, but the, one of them gets a whole chapter, and that's the intertestamental. And then what's a couple things there. Number one, I've gotten, you know, oh, boy, that, that just really helped me. And, I'm you know, I'm just from different people I've known over the years, uh, that turned into uh, about a six or seven week class in the, in the campus class at college oh, wow. out of this book. You know, somebody said, well, can you? and then it's, I started working through that. A couple of things that were kind of funny. I started working through that and I realized just, well, I knew, okay, I didn't realize, but this is just the bare, bare minimum in the book. And yet it's an area where we just don't 
know. Yeah, very understood. And what one person told me, a friend of mine in Atlanta, an older lady down there, I shouldn't say that, but she is. She's a little older than I am. But she told me, she said, you know, now some stuff finally makes sense in the New Testament. She's taught ladies' classes for mm-hmm. years. She's a really good Bible student. But she just had never done any of that. But it's just the bare, bare minimum of material. In fact, when I got done teaching it in the campus class, Dale Manor was in the class, and he said, well, that's pretty good as far as it went. <laughs> Which, you know, he, he and I have it. And it, it, he was right. He was right. I mean, it was just a bare, and yet still it was, you know, digging into right. stuff. And so uh, I've gotten that. Uh, you know, it's I've, uh, I don't know. Uh, there's one friend of mine who has, I know, because she's told me several times via email or Facebook messages or whatever, she has used the book, and I don't know what particular parts have appealed to her, but she's used the book several times for people that are brand new to the faith that she's working with, and she hands them this, yeah. which is, of course, part of the design. Yeah. You know, it's it's been used, those kinds of things. I, there's a prison minister in uh, Florida that has used it. Uh, you know, they I don't know how, I haven't had any feedback from him about how successful it's been or anything like that, but... Um, you know, they bought several copies to use in their prison ministry because you, you know, it's a blank slate. All right, you know, that's that's the point. Yeah. Is that so? Uh, but the inter- probably as far as comments go, the intertestamental section has probably I've heard most. Yeah. But again, mm-hmm. one thing that happens uh, with uh, writing, and this is different from teaching and preaching. Okay, but is that the feedback you get is not quite as immediate or as often. Of course, part of that is when you're preaching teaching, it's just easy for somebody to come out and mm-hmm. and you learn, you know, okay, which ones were, hey, that, you know, great job, and just, right. you know, it's kind of the, but then you also learn, but if you're standing right there, you're more likely to get those kinds of things, mm-hmm. whereas with a book, oh, I like that point, but. You know, I, I may not ever hear anything from yeah, you. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't sit down and write authors. I mean, yeah. you know. So. I, now that I think about it, I don't think I have everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many that I know personally. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a time or two, but it was to get a question. You know, I, I said, well, I'll just venture and ask this right. guy a question. It's always yeah. funny when you yeah. do that because sometimes you'll get, you know, it's obvious not the first question or only question he's dealing with that day. Right. And he just right. gives you kind of a quick response, which is fine. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the intertestamental period because that – Last night we were talking with my teen class about uh, how the Bible was written and kind of thinking through, uh, you know, a, a collection of works uh-huh. that equals a story. And one of my kids asked me about that. And I was like, yeah, I need, I'm, I can get you some information on that. I hadn't prepared anything uh-huh. for that, but they, they were kind of curious about it. And I was like, oh, yeah. So well, it was, it was I fa- have to grab a copy now. <laughs> it was fascinating because I used that material a good bit. I was teaching Luke Acts with uh, sophomores when I was teaching school. Uh, and uh, I used the intertestamental. That was kind of the introductory unit to the course, and it was always so much fun because 10th grade was also the year they were taking world history. And it was amazing. It was amazing the kids who would come, hey, we talked about that today in (laughs) world history class. And that I loved because, again, I think one of the things that happens with Bible study, even in our churches, we say, well, yeah, yeah, all this happened. It's really fact, but... We don't connect it in with the history, mm. uh, which is, you know, again, one reason there's a chart near the end of this book, a list of world events in Jewish, Greek, Jewish and Greco-Roman culture 
and how they correspond to the events of Jesus' ministry in the early church. It's just laid out there. And uh, just, again, it's just a list. It's nothing elaborate. I'm not trying to discuss it one way or the other. But, I mean, these were real people interacting with real-world events. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of brings it to life a little bit. One thing that, as people are maybe somebody brand new to Bible study that they're wondering is, well, do I start at Genesis and just read every book, book to book to book, all the way to Revelation? Or, you know, these books obviously aren't laid out uh, 100% chronologically. And so what would you say for a new Bible uh, studier uh, would be the best approach to... Or or if we were going to introduce someone to the Bible and, and begin walking them through that and they've never read it before. Yeah. Well, hmm, that's a great question. Um, I'll give you a couple of different directions. Well, I'll, I'll give you one while I'm thinking about how to come up with another one, maybe. Uh, but there is a philosophy guy who's written several, many, many books, apologetics, uh, up in, uh, he's a, well, he, he was at Boston, Boston College, I think. Peter Kreft is his name. Just written tons of stuff, K-R-E-E-F-T. Uh, just written tons of stuff, and he did a he did a little book that I picked up several years ago, Three Philosophies of Life, where he deals he's dealing with Ecclesiastes, Job, and Song of Solomon, and he makes the point in the Ecclesiastes section that with depends on who you want to talk to is what he says. Point is, he says with the modern reader today and culture generally, he says I start with Ecclesiastes because it's dealing with the philosophy of life and the idea. It's a very humanist. Yeah. In fact, it, it tracks really well with, if you, you look at secular humanism, uh, in fact, I've taught it this way, where I go through some things out of, right out of the Humanist Manifesto and lay it side by side with Ecclesiastes. And so the, he said, that's where you start today. Huh. He said, it used to be you'd start with Genesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said, the world's different now. Now, that was his, that was his take on it, and mm-hmm. that book's, well, 25, 30 years old now. So uh, now as far as starting with the Bible, I probably would put people in the Gospels first. Mm. Um, and, and I say that in part because I, I think sometimes we – well, I've got a, a quotation I ran across several years ago in another book um, that the guy makes the point that, you know, if you get, you get Jesus down, if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, then everything else falls into place. And indeed, the Old Testament, see, uh, is authenticated and creation and all of that. So you work from there. But Jesus is who we want them to get in touch with. So I would, I'd put them. I think I'd start them with there, and then as to which gospel, I think it depends on the, on the person. Uh, Mark's good and short. People like that. Yeah, yeah very action oriented. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matthew, you know, again, it just depends uh, on where they were, and then. Probably there. I, I wouldn't. And again, it would. I don't think you want to bog them down. I wouldn't in uh, well the prophets right off the bat because there's so many misunderstandings about prophecy anyway. And then, oh, right, uh, right. And then in the uh, same thing with the uh, in the New Testament. You know, where are they in their development? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you want them to get into that stuff, right? Because it's amazing how. You know, Paul is, for example, in Ephesians, he's writing this very secular culture. And you know, you look at number one, what he tells them to, to combat that, and then number two, and this strikes me in several of his 
writings, but it's it's as if he thinks they really can live holy lives in that <laughs> culture. Yeah. And I think that's important yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to look, yeah, the world's against us here. There's all kinds of things pulling at us, but this this is doable. Yeah. But we have to teach it. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. important. Well, that's helpful. You also mentioned some uh, get to these these resources for you know extra biblical studies, kind of help you understand the Bible. Um, if there was one that you would say, if you don't have it now, you need to get this to help you along in your in your study of the Bible. Oh, now you're talking about wait for the uh, Bible study resources. Okay, so yeah, the, Bible not, study the, not, not the intertestamental. Uh, no, no, uh, it would have been. Uh, the appendix one, right? Uh, if, on page if you're going to have a book yeah. two to getting acquainted yeah. with your Bible, uh, yeah. you had some well, general Bible introductions. First of all, I need to remember what I listed here. <laughs> well, I say that because it's. Uh, see, I mean, for example, I wouldn't I wouldn't put people in the Bible Atlas all right. <laughs> right off the bat, um, and see, a lot of these are just real basic tools. Um, Okay, again, it would depend depend on the level, I think. Uh, Mike Armour's little book, A Newcomer's Guide to the Bible, is real basic. In fact, if I remember correctly, uh, Armour was, he wrote that in conjunction with Eastern European Mission. Uh, I think at one time he was president of EEM. Okay. But he wrote this book when they started making inroads into um, Soviet Union and Ukraine because they, they got people that just don't know anything. Now, it's, it's, it's more elaborate and detailed. I mean, still pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's not, well, by elaborate, I don't mean it's real technical or anything, yeah. but it's, it's, there's more to it as far as what he's doing. But that's, yeah. a, that's a good little source. I've used that. There's a, you know, there's the book, there's a study guide that you mm -hmm. can get with it and so forth. Uh, and then yeah. at some point, I, th I would think uh, Fee and Stewart's, yeah. Uh, how to read, the, well, mm -hmm. both of them, but how to read the Bible for all it's worth mm -hmm. is really That's good. That's a classic. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. But again, I, th I think they've got to have a some basic understanding of what's going on. Yeah. And then, then you're starting to clear away some of the cobwebs that yeah. occur. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they, they also, in that book, uh, walk you through, okay, this is a different, they, I say walk you through, they introduce you. This is a different kind of literature. Mm -hmm. uh, not yeah. all of it. Reads, you know, you don't do the same thing with every style of writing right. in the Bible, and I deal with that some in, in this book, but yeah. uh, again, not in great detail. Yeah, just you know, I'm trying to whet their appetites and give mm -hmm. them an idea. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, technology resources, and we've kind of hit on technology. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to hear your take on how you know you've mentioned having tablets and computers has helped a lot with you know kind of understanding geography and, and time how is how is technology and getting people studying the bible helped and also what may be some hindrances that technology has provided oh i'll give you one hindrance right off i had a fellow in one church and and he okay this is this is what he would say well you know i got an eighth grade education now he you know he but he, I don't, I don't, I doubt he had gone to college. We never really talked about it. But he, he was a great Bible student, one of the best Bible students. And I mean, he would he'd throw out something and he wasn't sure about it. He'd chew on that and chew on that and chew on that. And sometimes he'd reject it. I remember one time I preached a sermon, I dealt with some topic, 
and I dealt with it before, and he comes up to me and says, that's not the same way you covered that the last time. He was he was right. <laughs> and he threw out a couple of things, and I went and dug in with the next – And I, well, part of the reason was he had thrown out some things to me. But he comes up to me one day. He had, he had gotten a tablet. He had Well, it had a little bit of Greek on it. So he starts, you know, well, now the Greek word here is, well, it was – yeah, that is the meaning, but there's a little more involved in it than that. And, you know, I don't I don't want to get into all the details and didn't right. want to. I try not to do that other than, you know, I'm glad I know the languages and can work with them and explain them, hopefully, in such a way. So um, it kind of makes everybody an expert, right. if you will. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, that's not yeah. a bad thing. You just got to right. work with that. Yeah. Uh, I think another thing that happens, and I, I catch myself doing this, uh, I, I think it, if you're teaching and preaching, I think it can serve to keep you on your game a little better. Okay. Because yeah. especially as our buildings are wired now, or or not wired, but you know we've got the networks. Right. And invariably, you say something in a sermon. I mean, somebody can look it up right then. You know, and say, yeah, <laughs> nope, that's not what happened with that story. You know, and, and that may be just an illustration somebody's used. But again, that goes to goes to credibility. Yeah. Um, I think by the same token, see, some of those things are are wonderful things to, to have, you know, in a positive way. You know, for example, my tablet, in fact, right now my, my tablet's in the shop. I'm, I'm crippled, you know, because <laughs> one of the things I've got on it is my Bible app. And, I mean, it's, it's like the, the, one of the big Bible computer programs, okay? And I've, I've got all these tools. I mean, I can look up this, that, or the other right then if I'm, I'm curious about something. Of course, that can that can get you in trouble if you're supposed to be listening to a sermon because you start chasing these rabbits. <laughs> right, yeah. But I did that anyway. I did that with books when I had you know the Bible in book form, or if I was carrying a Greek text with me to services, which I would sometimes do, and look. And so I'd be chasing down these rabbit holes and realize, well, what's he been talking about the last ten minutes? I you know, I don't know. <laughs> But but it's a good thing I think because it does it can put you into things and stuff is available and it's yeah. easily available. Yeah. And, and it frankly it's you know it's better than a lot of other stuff that we end up looking at on our tablets yeah, or right. whatever. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I love about working with the youth group is this generation they they grew up with these things in their hands and so they're they're very used to having access to information almost immediately and, and never really having to sit and wonder, you, you know, uh, what is the answer to that question? And so I, I love that, in a sense, you can talk about something with them and they immediately have access to right. data about that and they can start digging through and, and into that. And I think that's a, a really neat thing, but it also makes everyone an, an expert. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well an expert. The, the problem uh, is, uh, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of depth Mm. And there's not a lot of training to process depth. I mean, look, the Bible, and I'm almost hesitant to say this, but but it's exactly right. But you got to be careful with with this terminology. But the Bible is an adult book. I mean, it's it's for thinking. And for example, you know, you asked earlier, where do you put people? I remember um, one time teaching a high school class. It was juniors and seniors where I was in Atlanta, and I taught them one quarter, and I taught the Book of Romans. Well, I say taught the Book of Romans. I did a survey of the Book of Romans, mm-hmm. okay, which is about all I want to do. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that with younger kids because 
you got to be at a certain level of development to right. process that yeah. kind of a book. Yeah, there's a lot of theology in there. And so, you know, in our culture today mm-hmm. where, and I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm almost citing stuff that's out there talking about our culture. Uh, I've never been, and I'm dating myself here, I was never a big bumper sticker guy. Because I felt like, you know, if you can boil it down to a bumper sticker, you probably aren't saying, but okay, Twitter is bumper sticker. You know, I mean, that's it. And so everything now has to be boiled down. And that's the danger of that. And yet, I I think, again, recognizing that danger, you pick up on that and say, okay, now, how can I move them to the next level? Understanding. But yeah, the reality, I mean, we can fight it or we can figure out how to. Yeah. Take, it, take advantage of it in a good way. All right. And All that's right. one of the things that's really neat is seeing people start to process and move through that information and find there is more depth to this than just what you can get from a bumper sticker or from, you know, something you may have read really quickly on Twitter, you know, yeah. you can move through that. Or a Facebook meme. <laughs> you know, with a, or a, and by that I mean you know a verse that's quoted and it's like yeah well let's let's think about the context of that you know? mm-hmm. and, yeah yeah you know yeah you're writing about some fundamental truths that are important to understand and one of you said uh, the most important would be that God wants you to understand the yeah. Bible uh, and so that was in the context of you know the Bible is written in the language you know mm-hmm. of the day uh, and to, written so that people could understand it and now that it's been translated into English you know the same holds true and so how do you think that plays into maybe choosing a version of the Bible what would well, you recommend for somebody just getting into Bible study uh, well I, I think they I think we need, number one, to acknowledge that there are multiple translations that are good translations, yes. mm-hmm. you know. We probably need to, and again, I think like I make, a, I make this point in a different way in the intro to the book about how these things are basic, well, everybody knows that, and yet at the same time, they don't always connect it up and all. And I think one reason is we assume everybody knows it. Mm. So in translations, we assume, I think sometimes, that, well, everybody knows that translation is an inexact process in, right. from, mm-hmm. from you know any era, any language. But at the same time, we are, oh, what a wonderful time to, we've got all these uh, opportunities. So I would say, number one, it needs to be readable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I will confess, I mean, I'm, I've read Shakespeare but I'm like, <laughs> don't what, unless you understand everything. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm out of high school now, nearly fifty years, and it's like I still, it's like I'd rather not. I'd rather read that. Somebody did a modern speech version of Shakespeare, you know, and somebody probably has. So I'll, you know, you may get some people with you. Yeah, there's this, but uh, you know, the stories are incredible, but the language is tough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that's some of the older translations of the Bible. Uh, I, I tend toward, I'd rather have something that I feel like is a little more accurate and yet still readable English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my base text and the text I use as the base, and here's the ESV, uh, partly because, I, you know, I, I was an old RSV guy and you can't get those anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the ESV was sort of a redoing of that. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, you know, um, uh, the CSB, which is an update of the Holman, but it's the CSB. I've, I've been reading it lately, mm-hmm. and I, for the most part, like it. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's. I'm not familiar with, with what's the CSB. Christian, Christian Standard Bible. Okay. Uh, and largely a group of evangelical scholars behind it, um, but it's. It sort of blends, as I've looked at it, it, it kind of blends both world, worlds with the, like the ESV and the NIV. Okay, yeah. kind of a hybrid. Between now, the, the other problem, too, that I've noticed in Bible uh, translations is, uh, and this, this is more a practical thing from a teaching viewpoint, is they keep updating these translations. Mm. And the, the right. new ones are not always the same. And right. so what I have found is I, a lot of times when preaching and teaching, if I'm quoting the NIV, I will, okay, this is the 84 NIV right. that I'm quoting here. <laughs> because people are sitting there looking and saying, well, that's not what my NIV right. says. And the same thing happened to me one time. I was, teach, I was preaching, uh, and I, I had looked up a passage on my computer program from the ESV. And lo and behold, I'm, I'm reading. The, and, and then in the, in the sermon, I've got my my Bible text, right. you know, that's when I could still read the print. So, you know, I wasn't using a tablet uh, for my, and, and I'm reading, I thought, wait, that's not what that says. And, right. and here I was using a different edition of the ESV, and right. it was just a word or two different. Right. Uh, right. So I think that's important. But I'd, I'd say readability. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, accuracy with the text is important. Yeah. Well, I think that lines up. I was in a class with Dr. Jack Lewis uh, years ago, and he was talking about it. And he said, the most important Bible version to read is the one that you're going to read. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah. That, that's, yeah. that stuck with me all these years. You know, there's a lot of debate out there yeah. about my version was like, get one that you're going to read. And yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, if, if, you know, somebody's comfortable with what I would say is a little more challenging style of the language, great. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's still some things. I, something I was working on the other day, and I quoted the ASV uh, to illustrate, you know, because it brought out whatever it was in this text. And that, that's the thing I've always tried to do is, you know, I will use multiple translations in teaching and preaching. Never, I hope, I mean, my goal is never – well, I just like the way that that kind of agrees with what I think about that. Mm. I, I try to, you know, whatever I quote, I, I quote it because I think this is, in my judgment, what is closest to what's going on in the text. Yeah. And sometimes I'll quote more than one, you know, but uh, there's some real advantages. And, you know, I, I mentioned the ASV because I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said it was good Greek and bad English or something <laughs> to that effect. That's a bad <laughs> paraphrase, but he was talking about how it's just tough the language was yeah. in places. Yeah. yeah, That's always been uh, kind of my thought process and, and approach is, I mean, you guys know from studying Greek, th- there are lots of ways to approach sometimes the translation of a word and sometimes meaning is hard to convey. Right. And so if you're reading multiple mm-hmm. translations, you're kind of seeing, right. here's how different people approached mm-hmm. conveying that meaning. And so one of them may tell you something that you're like, oh, that's now I understand yeah. what's going yeah. on here. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you just stick to the one, you may not ever get that. And so it kind of helps to, especially if you're preparing a, a, a sermon or a lesson, uh-huh. or something, you're, you're going to talk with somebody about Christ. Uh-huh. Looking at those things and be like, okay, I, I really get no. what's going on here because yeah. this, this, these different versions phrased it differently. Right. And, now I got and the beauty of the original languages is one of the things, and we've, you know, different people have talked about this over the years. They're dead languages, right? In that, you know, it doesn't that that doesn't. Now it changed at the time. It was, you know, that we miss that sometimes, but you know, that's it. That the original text is not. It's it's not changing. 
So now you're trying to line up the translations with it. Mm-hmm. I think a study Bible is important mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. because and again, there's so many good things out there now that uh, uh, I mean, just which study Bible? There's multiple. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that's been the discussion. You know, preacher stuff recently was the study Bibles, and somebody actually did mention one that I, another translation that I have found helpful for kind of bringing out the. Accuracy or exactness is the NET, New English Translation. Not the, not the NEB, not the New English Bible, although I've, <laughs> I've used it in a place or two, too. <laughs> but the NET uh, and the study notes in it are okay. you can get online or you can get I've, – I've got a, you know, a book copy of it. Yeah. But yeah. – uh, and it's got like sixty thousand notes, I think, on the oh wow, oh wow, <laughs> on the yeah, text, that's, and that's a ton. you know they. So I mean, they can, and they'll sometimes there are little explanations mm-hmm. of what's going on. I mean, yeah. short, short kinds yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a great um, tool for people just getting into Bible study. Uh, one thing that I really appreciated was as you're wrapping up the book. Uh, you said through knowledge of the content of the Bible, or I'm sorry, thorough knowledge of the content of the Bible is no substitute for living a life worthy of the Lord, but it helps us build the necessary foundation for such a life. And so I think that's an important thing to remember as we get into Bible study, as we're uh, trying to weed through, you know, what how things laid out, how they happened in our history, that uh, it's really supposed to be changing the way that we live. Right. That's, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, and, and the best you know it's helpful to understand and so that's that's the goal is and let's make this as understandable as possible but yeah the goal is always to to live it right and it's not just an academic exercise mm-hmm. certainly right. that's right that's right well uh if you are out there and wanting to get more acquainted with your bible if you are wondering, you know, what have they been talking about this whole time? Uh, you can grab a copy of Getting Acquainted with Your Bible. Uh, David Anguish is the author of that. And and uh, where can they find the book? Uh, well, you can order it Amazon. Uh, you know, in fact, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I mean, it's it's available in ebook. Um, and again, most of the you know the ebook distributors, uh, you can. Just type in "getting acquainted with the Bible" or my name. I would assume uh, I've got also on my website davidanguish.com, and and yes, it's A N G U I S H. For all my life, has really that's it. It really is that. It's Scottish background. You don't get to the last name. Yeah, Scottish background. But but uh, yeah, people can't. You know, it's like anguish. That's you know. So yeah, so I spell it. It's davidanguish.com. But I've got a page. Uh, for the, the book, Carcolex Publications for the book. And uh, I, I mentioned that because, I mean, I can sell it directly, but also there are uh, discount options there okay. that you can oh, get for, nice. for bulk purchases okay. or, or even uh, uh, review copies that are available there that you can't get the other places. But it's just at one time, and I, I, I guess I probably should have called over there and checked, but uh, one time it was... At, Harding Bookstore. Okay. Uh, but I, that may be just a, is it in stock? Right. But, he, you know, 
they're aware of it over there and they could order one. So if, if it's not over there, we'll, we'll grab a stack of them from you and just sneak over and start putting <laughs> yeah, them on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, David, we appreciate you coming out and joining yes, us today sure. and telling us a little bit about your, uh, your book and sharing your insights with us. Well, I appreciate it. Glad to have the opportunity. Yeah, this has been fun. And uh, as always, we love you guys. We hope you're having a wonderful day uh, wherever you're at right now. And uh, we will see you next time. Yeah, and if you have any questions uh, that you would like us to address on the podcast at any time, you can always email those to questions at wschurch.net. Thank you guys for tuning in. Love you.